You are listening to Press Church Podcasts. Please enjoy this week's message. The title of my sermon today is based off of something that you and the women's Bible study talked about. We're going to be talking out of Ephesians chapter 2, and the title in the sermon is But God. Earlier when the women were doing the Bible study on Tuesday, Maddie texted me when she probably should have been leading the Bible study, was texting me uh, and talking about them, what they were studying, and uh, they were talking about Ephesians chapter 2 and, and whatever else, and she said, didn't you preach a sermon on Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4? something about but God, and I said, I don't know, I think I did, and she's like, no, you preached it, I said, well, did I preach it here, like when, where, how, why did I preach it, and she said, no, I remember you preaching it, and so I didn't think I preached it here, so I went back in in some of my notes and found in July of 2014, I preached this sermon. Now, I have doctored it up a little bit and brought it into 2021, But ever since she talked about that sermon, it's just been playing over in my mind this scripture for the last week. And I thought, well, God, if it's in my mind, then then I should probably share it and encourage it with the people. But God, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, very simple scripture. We've probably heard it before. If you've been in kids' church, you probably colored a page with this scripture on there. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us. I encourage you this week to go and read the full chapter of Ephesians chapter 2 and enjoy and see. The the first three scriptures talks about the negativity of the earth and what a person is coming out of, and then the rest of Ephesians is talking about what you have been blessed and saved into. And it starts talking about the negativity in verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, and then it transitions into this scripture right here that says, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. The Bible is full of humanity encountering and experiencing but God moments. Noah is on the verge of being swept away in the flood with the rest of humanity, but God showed up, had grace and mercy and found favor Noah found favor in the sight of God, and he said, hey, I've got an idea. Why don't you build a boat? We see men and women throughout the scriptures highlight and talk about their lives, and then we can see in the scripture a but God moment that changes, transitions, and forever moves a person in a different direction. We see the Apostle Paul, and we'll look at some scriptures here shortly, that the Apostle Paul could not get over his but God moment. And he says throughout his writings, the statement and the phrase, but God. The Apostle Paul, is the, he says himself in his writings, he was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. He had the first five books of the Bible memorized. It's hard to even memorize Psalms 23. The Lord is my what? Oh, man, what is it? He had the first five books. Genesis, it's a huge, huge book. Deuteronomy, Leviticus, yikes. 
He has these memorized. He says, I was a Pharisee above all. He was trained by the best. And he was going out and he thought that he was doing the right thing by destroying what he called the way. These new Christians trying to change church up, trying to change all these things. And he's throwing them in jail. He's standing there almost being worshipped as they are stoning Stephen. They're throwing their jackets at his feet. He is the celebrity of celebrities. He's on a, a, a worldwide tour to throw Christians in jail. He's got the paper. He's got the law to prove it. And he's on the road to Damascus and but God. And it forever changed him when he experienced the grace of God, when he was filled with the Spirit. He was blinded and now he sees. It was such an encouraging moment that he couldn't get away from it. And he starts encouraging people in every letter that he writes to know who Jesus is, to understand who he is and what he did, what he has done so you can have your own but God moment because he knows that as soon as you taste and see that the Lord is good, that you'll never go back to your old ways. In Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 and 20, we see the story of Joseph. His father has died. His brothers are worried that they, him being in charge of Egypt, is going to, to, to make them pay for putting him in slavery. He's going to finally, now that his dad has died and there's no way to protect his brothers, he is going to bring vengeance. And they come and they bow down before him. And Joseph says this to them. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? Look at verse 20. It says, but as for you, you meant evil against me. Don't get it twisted. I know what you did. I remember you throwing me in the pit. I remember you selling me. I remember the journey that I went on that you thought that you could do to hide Selling me away to slavery and convincing my father you were dead. You meant to do evil against me, but look at this. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Boy, a but God moment can change your life. The people that have been coming against you and trying to devalue you and destroy you, and embarrass you, and cause you to struggle. It says here in the scriptures, Joseph says, what you meant for evil. Ha ha. But God meant it for good. That wherever you're at and whatever's going on, whoever's coming against you, their intent in their heart might to be to bring evil, to bring you down, to cause you frustration, to embarrass you to kill you, to do all those things, but God being involved in that situation, it says in the scriptures, he will make all things good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. Let's look at some writings from the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 10, verse 28, probably one of my favorite chapters, Acts chapter 10, we know this scripture, we know this, this passage of scripture because I won't stop talking about it because this is the moment that Gentiles were allowed in. And Paul is speaking. Cornelius has a dream. He's visited by an angel. And they finally meet Cornelius and Paul. Cornelius falls down and worships him. And Paul says, I am just a man. Get up. What are you doing? And he says in verse 28, then he said to them, you know how it is unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go 
to one another. Paul, Peter is saying to Cornelius, you know, in my law, in my custom, I am not allowed to be with someone who is not a Jewish person, to eat with them, to do anything with them. Remember when Jesus encounters the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman says, why are you a Jewish man talking to me? That's not your custom. That's not what you're supposed to do. But Peter had a revelation of God. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Praise God for that. Seems to be rising up again that we have this little issue in America. Well, we think it's just in America, but it's worldwide and it's called racism. How do we get rid of racism? Well, do we post about it on social media? Do we, do we change laws in the government? Do we put hashtags? Do we do this? Do we do that? You want to know how you get rid of racism is people have to have a but God moment. Look at this. Peter says, but God has shown me. How do you end racism? They have to have a but God moment. They have to have this revelation in their heart, in their mind, and in their eyes with that but God moment that he has shown them that I should not call any man unclean or uncommon. Unfortunately, the more we take God out of things, the more hatred for people is going to rise. And the more you put God into things, the more you're going to see the love of God overflow. That's why it's us as a church is so important to portray and give and show out the love of God every chance that we get. To remind people to encounter their own but God moment. To find out who God is and what God did for them. And when they have that moment, that's when their heart changes. That's when they're born again. And the heart that was hard and angry and full of hate and judgment is all of a sudden changed. And that's where the freedom is. Racism doesn't change in the heart of Washington. Racism changes in the hearts of the church. When we have these but God moments. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 27. Paul is writing another but God statement. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. That's my amen corner. My security system just gives me a little amen. Here you go buddy. I'm so thankful for this scripture. But God has used this Louisiana boy of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. That God is good and he wants to use you no matter what state you think you're in. Well, I'm not smart enough. I'm not this enough. I'm too much of this. I'm not enough of this. It says here that he has chosen the foolish things. Purposely bypassed certain people that we think, well, they should have been the pastors. They should have done this. They should, no, no, no. He chooses the foolish. I know that I'm the foolish because I know he chose me and that I can use whatever he's teaching me to help the world. Whatever's going on in your life, you can have a but God moment that can help transform, change you. And you can say something to someone and change their life. You can talk to somebody about the scriptures. You can encourage them in something 
Have you ever said something to somebody or encouraged somebody and they thought, and they said to you, how'd you know that? I didn't know you even knew that. Where'd you get that? Where'd you, just using the foolish to change the wise. I love this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 8 8 through 10. If you're in 1 Corinthians 1, just go one chapter over. Verse 8. It says, which, it's talking about wisdom here, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they knew what Jesus dying on the cross was going to do, they would have never done it. The devil would have never done it. He, he had no idea what was going to happen. There was a mystery that was hidden, it says in the scriptures. And that mystery was Christ in you, the hope of glory. When Jesus was born, there was an announcement that Emmanuel was here, which stands for God with us. And the devil thought, okay, I can deal with him, one man, God with us, walking around. He can't change the world. There's no planes. There's no social media. There's no cameras. How's he going to be able to influence the whole world? God is with them. I can work through that. I can deal with that. But he did not know that there was another part that God had as a mystery that not only was God going to be with you, God was now going to be in you, the hope of glory. And if they would have known that, they would have never crucified. They would have kept Jesus away from that cross. But Jesus, knowing what that great mystery was, every chance he got, he said, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. And then three days later, I'm going to rise again. Well, what does that mean? And Jesus says, I'm going to die on the cross. They're going to bury me in a tomb. And three days later, I'm going to rise again. Jesus was not running away from the cross. He was running to the cross because he knew that mystery when he yelled out it was finished was going to be revealed. And there was nothing in hell that could push it back in. which none of the rulers of the sages knew, for had they known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Verse 9, But as it is written, eye is not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered in the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love them. We've heard probably this scripture before. We've heard people preach this scripture before. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard. We've heard people talk about how much higher God's thoughts are. That God is way up there, and he's got this plan, he's got this agenda, And he's holding it close to his vest. He's hiding things from you. He just knows more than you. He doesn't want to tell you everything. We've been taught this throughout life. Or maybe just me. Maybe I've just heard or been taught this. God's ideas are above us. So you just can't understand the ways of God. You can't understand the mysteries of God. Look at this next scripture. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. This says right here that God's not trying to hide things from you. He's trying to get things to you. Somehow, some way, we've got this all twisted. Well, I don't know what God wants. I'll just do whatever he wants, but maybe one day he'll reveal it to me. This says, but God has revealed those mysteries to us through his spirit. 
the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells inside of you. That right there, this scripture right there should pique your interest to decide and make the decision to go on a journey to figure out how to get the Holy Spirit inside of you as much as possible. Speaking in tongues, the gifts of the Spirit, leaning into walking into the Spirit. And you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because it says here that the Spirit is the one that's going to reveal the mysteries of God. And it says that He's the one that is searching the deep things of God. And why is He searching the deep things of God if not to get those deep things to you directly? But God is bringing those things, those mysteries that we think are unobtainable through his spirit, is ready and willing to reveal them to you. But God. When I was working in the prison for those years, no matter, I would tell myself kind of this thing as I was going through my day, no matter what was going on, no matter who was threatening me, no matter uh, what uh, fights that we got into, uh, no matter what things were thrown on me, no matter uh, what people threatened me with, attacked me with, said whatever, I always said in the back of my mind, at the end of my shift, I'm walking out. No matter what was against me, I was in jail for however long, 6, 12, whatever hours, I would say, but I'm walking out a free man. But I'm walking out a free man. There was a guy... Uh, there one day, and it was a, he. They're just bored. They're just in jail, hanging out. The 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 inmates there, and and their goal all throughout the day is how can I annoy that guy all day every day. So they just yell at you all kind of things. Whenever you're leaving, they'll yell out your license plate number. Whenever you're going in, they don't just tell you hi. They say all kind of things. And there was a guy one day that was uh, uh, joking with me and. He's riling up the people as he's, he's calling things out. And, and I wasn't the, the biggest of guys back then. And, and he made the comment that he was going to call me from now on. My nickname would be Cheerio Slim. And I was like, okay, whatever, man. And he says, because you're so skinny, you can hula hoop in a Cheerio. And everybody was laughing, and, and we all had a good laugh at it. And, uh, and I was walking away, and I turned around, and I said, is that the best you have? I said, is that the best joke you have? It's funny. We all laughed. I said, listen, here we go. I said, you stay here and think of a better joke. I'm going to go home to my bed, to my freedom, to my car. I'm going to go to McDonald's. I'm going to go see my family. I said, I'm going to go home and leave this place. You stay here and enjoy that joke and think of a new one, and I'll come back tomorrow and tell me what you got. And then he was like, oh, man, that's, that's not fair. Okay, so now we have feelings. Now, now I know where I went too far in the jail. But no matter what was going on, I always made a conscious decision in my mind to say, but I'm walking out of here a free man. I'm not going to stay in this jail. I'm not going to deal with whatever. And every time I got buzzed out through those two doors and I pushed open the door to walk to my truck, I would always stop and take a deep breath in. And the inmates would still be yelling at us and cussing us out and saying all kind of things to us about what they were going to do to our family and our girlfriends and our children. But the, the weight was lifted off. I was a free man, but I'm walking out healthy, whole, free, 
There's no problem. No matter what's going on in your life today, you need to remind yourself of your but God moments. Each and every one of you have had a but God moment. If you are saved, you had a but God moment. You need to remind yourself over and over again, no matter what's going on in your life, that you've experienced a but God moment. And if you need another but God moment to interfere in your life, it's time to start praying and believing and declaring by faith that my but God moment is on the horizon. If you need healing, if you need salvation, if you need whatever you need from God today, if you haven't seen that yet, then know and declare my but God moment, what I'm experiencing now, the pain, the frustration, the anger, the embarrassment, whatever it is, my but God moment is on the way because I am a child of God and he is not going to leave me or forsake me. He is going to take care of me. But God if you need, then now is a good time to start praying and believing and declaring for another but God moment on the horizon of your life by faith. Second part of that scripture says, but God who is rich in mercy, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy. This scripture states that God is rich. And it's vital and it's important we talk about this. It's vital and important to see what the Bible says, but it's also vital and important to see what the Bible does not say. This scripture says that God is rich, and God is rich in mercy. God is not rich in judgment. God is not rich in anger. God is not rich in frustration. God is not rich in any of those things, but what God is rich in is mercy. That word rich in the Greek means to abound or be abundantly supplied. Right now, I am rich in birthday cake. We have this huge birthday cake, abundantly supplied, that my wife so graciously slaved over deep into the night to make it happen. We have so much, we brought it here. For y'all to eat. I was just telling somebody earlier that there was this paper towel that was on the kitchen. I was trying to clean up the kitchen before we left to come here. And I saw this paper towel like pushed up in a corner. And I thought, what is this? Let me throw away this paper towel. And I opened it up. And there was a whole other cake in there. And I thought, Maddie told us she took the cake this morning to church. What is this massive chunk? I'm rich in birthday cake. Abundantly supplied in birthday cake, God is rich in mercy. The English definition of mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is in one's power to punish or harm. Compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is in one's power to punish or harm. Do you all remember as a kid playing the game called mercy? Where you lock arms with someone? And you're holding, you're looking at them in the face, and you hold arms with them, and then you say, one, two, three, go, and then it's your job to make the other person yell mercy before you yell it. And so you take their arms, and you bend them upside down. Nobody has played this? Wait, huh? <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Everybody's looking at me like I'm the bully all of a sudden. <laughs> um, after service, we'll have a, a tournament. Um, you can play with your spouse. Um, I think that's abuse. You can't do that. Um, and so you lock arms with each other, and then you maneuver 
their arms in certain positions until it hurts. <laughs> God, this feels worse <laughs> the more I tell it. <laughs> until they cry mercy. And you always, it was always you'd, you'd grab their arms, you'd bring them down, and then you'd bend the wrist. What movie was that? Break the wrist and walk away? <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite, that's right. <laughs>
power and the ability We see it in Sodom and Gomorrah. All from heaven. Stabbing themselves. What do you do? know what to do. Well, I'm going to stab you back. Oh, no, don't do that. As the Israelites sit there worshiping God. God had no problem back then, but something changed, and his name was Jesus. God pouring out wrath or anger or anything on humanity, all he can pour out because of Jesus is his love, is his forgiveness, and everything that is entitled in the new covenant. Because he's rich in mercy. He's not mad at you anymore. He's not mad at humanity anymore. He took out all his wrath on Jesus so that he could pour out all his love on you. Since chapter 2, verse 4, today is that he loves you. But God, not just mediocre love, not just. Don't lie. I had to find it too. There is a Zachariah. You got to be. In your midst, the. He will. I would like who are around you. The craziness and the chaos. Romans 5, verse 8. For but God any way that he wants, but God demonstrates his love. This Romans chapter 8, verse things. Pastor. If he'll give you Jesus. 
only son. As a sports fan, teams that I love. Fiftieth time. Have you ever seen somebody and whistles and tickets i'm not there i'm not only bake the things that in my make something that she enjoys media you will see Of like that, whenever we see you think that you love God, and maybe we even have invest yourself in Him. It says, in the quiet time, over you. Only son for you, and because of for us.
says that we can walk boldly. Know that he's trying to get everything he can. There's things that you need to work Your love, your mercy. and love them and another time that you'll speak to them you'll save them another time and that you love them even when they fail even when they falter even walk through the valley of the debt your people today to quiet their spirit to quiet their mind Take time to be quiet and hear. What song do you have for me today? What song do you have for me this season? Over me. And Father, remind us that you are happy. That you're happy that we're part. Father, rest. Feeling good that have sickness in the. Father, I thank you that each and every person people across our path that we can share our but God. Father, bring people across our path and celebrate the respect your people. Cause your God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you work day or Sunday at church.
next. If you would like more information,